Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm just going to start us off right away because I've got some ideas. Like, I got good. myself in the zone for talking about Fantastic Four. Good, good. Um, right. So welcome to Storebrand Comics, everybody. I'm T.O. And I'm Brandon. And today, um, for new listeners, I'm going to give a quick rundown of, like, what this episode format is. So if you can remember way, way back in the far-off distant past of 2020, um, ago. Yeah, it was. Um, me and Brandon recorded an episode, the very first episode of this podcast series, um, in which we talked about our ideas for what a good, like, hard reboot for Marvel Comics would look like, along the lines of DC Comics' New 52 or Valiant Comics' 2012 relaunch. Yeah. Um, so... Because out of like those big three uh, shared superhero universes, Marvel is the only one not to do a hard reboot. Yeah. So, um, and honestly, at this point, they sorely need one. So for the past um, two years, pretty much, me and Brandon have been revisiting this concept, talking about what, in our heads, uh, the ideal version of that reboot would look like over time. Yeah. And today we are talking about year two Fantastic Four. Now that might be a little bit confusing because um, there is no year one for Fantastic Four. And that's because for us, the Fantastic Four didn't get their first ongoing series until the second year of this relaunch idea. Yeah. So um, we kind of did a, a little bit of a reverse of what happened in reality because in the real world, uh, the Black Panther was first introduced in the pages of the Fantastic Four comics, but for us, we introduced the Fantastic Four with Black Panther. Yeah. So now the Fantastic Four get their own spin-off series about just them, and I have the perfect idea for their first villain. Alright, perfect. We're going to start where Stan Lee and Jack Kirby started all those years ago in 1961 with the Mole Man. Mmm. Mm. Now okay, here... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and here's the thing about Mole Man. So I actually, for a, for um, mm-hmm. the most part, kind of want to keep his original origin story. Uh, or, well, not original. Like, I kind of want to take the retcons that have been introduced over the years um, and use them as well. But, like, I kind of want to keep his general origin story intact, including the year that he, like, went to discover like the the moloids the mole people underground yeah which in the original comics was 1956 okay um because which at the time of publishing was only like five years in the past okay but for us obviously that's a that's a long long time ago yeah, yeah. Are you still wanting to keep it 1956? Where it's been? I, like, I do. I want to keep it 1956, okay. and here's why. I have some ideas for um for this arc. Okay. So, um, a good chunk of this arc is Reed is obviously going to want to figure out how the heck their powers work. Like he wants yeah. to know like what is it that fuels this, and like how does the power cosmic work? Because we're keeping the whole cosmic cloud thing. We're not doing like negative zone stuff or nuclear explosions or anything like that. Right, right. We're, we're keeping the cosmic cloud. 
Um, so, uh, so they're powered by the power cosmic or cosmic energy or cosmic radiation, whatever you want to call it. Um, they're, they're cosmically empowered and, um, Reed wants to figure out how, how their powers work. A, because, you know, the more, you know, the better off they'll be and B, um, for at, at the very least Ben's sake, he wants to see if there's a cure for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because one of the key aspects of the thing is the fact that while while the thing, to a certain extent, does enjoy his power, um, he would much rather be a normal man than the thing. I'm hideous. I can't even wipe my butt. Exactly. (laughs) It's like that JonTron clip about how big his butt is and he can't wipe it. (laughs) Um, So, uh, for me... Um, now here's how the mole man connects to that for me. So Reed is finding readings of cosmic energy coming from underground. Okay. And it's causing seismic activity all over the planet. Like all of a sudden this just starts happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so this is how it's going to tie into the mole man's origin story specifically. So I want to keep it in 1956. The mole man, um, whose real name is Harvey Elder. Um, he is um, a short, uh, homely, and not exactly polite nuclear engineer. Um, and you know, he's kind of a social outcast, especially at that time. Um, and he is convinced in his crackpot theory that the hollow earth is a real thing. Like in, the, like in Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's convinced Hollow Earth is real, and he wants to find it. He just needs to find like a vent or something that leads to it. I got you. And he believes we're we're kind of going a little bit King Kong on this, um, yeah, where yeah. like he believes he has found an access point to the Hollow Earth on an uncharted island somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. Mm. Um. So, uh, for our, and like this moment origin story, we could say it's like covered in flashbacks and stuff. I just kind of want to cover like what my ideas for it are, which I'm taking yeah, a lot yeah. of these ideas from older comics that already exist. Okay. Um, and it, for the most part, I'm going to try and condense them to make it a little like more palatable as like just origin flashbacks. Okay. Yeah, I got you. So, <clears throat> um, the mole man, you know, obviously he's not going to go to like this island alone. He has to charter a boat and like schedule an expedition and all that. Um, so what, what Harvey does is he hires basically like an adventurer to serve as his guide on the island. Yeah. Um, this adventurer would be classic character Ulysses Bloodstone. Oh, okay. Um, who is in the comic books, I believe he's the father of Elsa Bloodstone. But considering how far in the past this would have to be, I, I would rather say he's like the grandfather or great-grandfather of Elsa Bloodstone. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, if, if we ever want to use her in like the present. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Ulysses Bloodstone would be the adventurer that um, Elder hires uh, to serve as his guide. So they go to this uncharted island, basically Skull Island, referred to as like Monster Isle and all that. Yeah, yeah. Because monsters live there. Yeah. Um, now, this next bit I want to ask your opinion on, because I don't know how much larger scale Marvel stuff we want to start incorporating here. 
okay. um, like through Fantastic Four. But if we're going to do it through any series, Fantastic Four is perfect for it. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the way they did it originally. Too. <laughs> um, so in the comics, Monster Isle was the home base of a deviant known as the Warlord Crow, which uh, you saw Eternals, right? Yeah. You know the deviant that was like absorbing their powers and becoming more human? Yeah, yeah. That's him. Oh, okay. Um, in the comics, he's a much bigger deal for the Eternals than he was in that movie. Okay, I gotcha. Um, so, yeah, this this warlord deviant named Crow, K-R-O, was like the leader of this island in the comics. And I, the reason I want your opinion on this is, do you think it's a good idea for our version to keep him there? Or do you think he should be absent for this and we can incorporate him somewhere else later? If we ever want to do eternal stuff. Um, <clears throat> if, if he is there, because because eventually we might do some eternal stuff, but it'll be a while. <clears throat> if he is there, it's almost like you barely see him or something. Because like, yeah. I, like, yes, he's like trapped on an island, but like, yeah. it takes him like decades to finally make it to land and cause Eternals trouble. Yeah. Here's here's my thought on it. My thought is if he is there, he would act more like an unexpected but like gracious host who like welcomes them to his island and like takes them into his palace and when they tell him why they're there, he's like, "Ah, oh, yes, I know. I know where this vent is. I can take you straight there." Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Basically, and like it would be this thing where like he's like this this weirdly like gracious host who's totally cool with them being on his island of monsters um because he knows they'll probably never make it off anyway yeah and like my thought process is like uh you know ulysses and elder go into you know the caverns the vents find their way down but then like uh you know things start going bad like they find some monsters down there um elder gets trapped uh bloodstone makes it out and like he makes it off the island like it'd be one of those things. It would be like uh, like a an adventure movie, basically one of those classic like adventure movies where like bad guy gets trapped in the bad place, and then you know the the hero, the heroic adventure escapes. You know, all yeah, that. he escapes this Isle of Monsters to continue being the legendary Ulysses Bloodstone. Um, and uh, while Elder is trapped um, in uh, the caves, oh, one thing um, I forgot to mention. I do have like a slightly different idea for the mole man that's related to an idea that already exists in the comics, but it happens for a different reason. Okay. Um, so the idea is that, so in the comics, one thing that happens is he goes, he sustains like permanent eye damage because he looks at highly reflective diamonds while he's underground. And that's I, how he goes like mostly blind. I have a different idea. I was just thinking it's, darkness yeah right um my idea is that elder was already suffering from a degenerative disease that was causing him to go blind yeah yeah that works and he's and one of the reasons he wants to go to hollow earth is because he thinks there might be something down there that could help like cure him like he he basically discovers there is cosmic energy underground in the earth yeah yeah that'd be fine and oh, and you know what? The reason that Crow is on this island, like around this vent, because that cosmic energy exists because of the dreaming celestial in the Earth's core. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, that just worked itself perfectly around completely by accident. <laughs> I forget you see, I forget so much about like Eternals and Celestial stuff from Marvel Comics. I know I'm the Marvel guy, I'm supposed to know everything, but the Celestials are a pretty big blind spot for me. But honestly, but I think that's how it kind of is with a lot of Marvel fans. Yeah, but like the one thing that I do know about the Celestials is that there's been one sleeping in the Earth's core for a long time. Like that's yeah, the yeah. one thing from the Eternals movie that I actually recognized as a part of the comics. Yeah. Um, and they call that one the Dreaming Celestial or Tiamat. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, with the Dreaming Celestial being in the Earth's core, that's why there's so much cosmic energy in the Hollow Earth. So, um, yeah, that makes but yeah, like basically Elder, when he's down there, he, he's basically proven right. The hollow earth exists since loaded with cosmic energy, but rather than like directly like curing his eyesight, what happens is, so he finds the moloids down there and like mm-hmm. ma- somehow they accept him as their leader. Right. Cause he's like, you know, tougher than them generally. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause like the, the moloids in my head, like they're these sort mm-hmm. of savage little like monster people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which means, like, with him, like, if he just kicks a couple of them around, they're just going to accept him as their leader, right? Yeah, yeah. And there might be a bit where, like, at first they're trying to swarm him and, like, basically try to eat him. But, like, as soon as he, like, socks a couple of them on the noggin, they start backing off. Yeah. And like, If not starts- that, he just does, like, some... I, I put intelligent stuff in quotes. More like, they're just really stupid. He does, like, some human-type stuff or whatever. Yeah. Uh, does lights a torch, whatever it is, various yeah. different stuff, and they're like, "Oh, oh, this, this is our God, basically." Yeah, ba- yeah, okay, that's perfect. That's that's better. Like, yeah, like he does something to like demonstrate the ingenuity or power of humans in some way. Like you said, making a fire, and yeah. um, and like they start to worship him like a god king, um, and that's yeah. how he becomes the mole man. And so my idea is the reason he's still alive in the modern day is because the cosmic energy that he found in the hollow earth has been sustaining him. Oh, that makes sense. The cosmic energy from the dreaming celestial has been like keeping him relatively young. Um, and, and, you know, on aging, it hasn't fixed his eyes exactly, but at this point that doesn't matter as much to him anymore. Yeah. And, and it gave him like something of a radar sense, similar to daredevil, but obviously yeah. not as powerful because he still has some eyesight. I got her. Basically, the cosmic radiation has kept his eyesight from getting worse. And it hasn't helped with my weight loss. I'm still <laughs> a fat, short man. I was hoping, uh, yes, the, the eyesight thing would have been great. But the, the main reason I came down here was I was looking to be 6'2 from this. 6'2 and 230 pounds of muscle. <laughs> but here I am. Short, little elder, 4'10, with a big old fat body. So, like, 1% <laughs> muscle. But yeah, so now he's got like the moloids attending to his like every whim. Um, and at least one giant monster underground with him. Hmm. So that we can like justify the whole seismic activity thing in the present day. Yeah, yeah. So like all that can be covered in, in flashbacks and stuff. Those are just like my ideas for how to present the Mole Man's origin story. Yeah, yeah. Like basically presented as like a classic pulp sci-fi adventure story. 
Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. With all the weird high concept stuff. That yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, like your inclusion of the uh, the dreaming celestial being the reason um, for this makes a lot of sense because, like, when the Fantastic Four eventually get involved with this, like, they're trying to search for that that cosmic energy type stuff to help them with their problem and it makes sense uh that uh uh, it's not just something random it is like this dreaming celestial is the reason for it so it kind of helps tie them in with i like that cool cool and then um when things like galactus making his way to earth to try and eat it and all that like knowing that there's something big in our core like makes that a bigger deal yeah he's like ooh, because yeah because not only is galactus eating a planet he's also like eating an unborn celestial yeah he's like ooh, it's not just a croissant it's a cream filled croissant it's a fetus filled croissant (laughs) the best Mm -mm. Ew. <laughs> that but is yeah, like, uh, disgusting. <laughs> uh, so, so for listener as well as me, um, so Fantastic Four, they left Wakanda at yes. the end of the, the Black Panther thing. Yes. They left Wakanda. Are they in New York? I will say they are in New York and um, I will say they already have like a floor on the Baxter building because Reed, I don't know what age we want our Reed to be um, if we're going for like a younger and older one, but uh, um, we're going to say Reed is all like, he's got like grant money to to do science and all that. Um, So he's already got like a lab and like a floor on the Baxter building and everything. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, and, ba- like... and basically the reason that Ben, Sue, and Johnny are there, even though they all have, you know very different professions originally, is Reed is justifying it as like he's hired them as lab assistants. Yeah, I got you. Like as far as I'm aware, the only other like scientist in the group is Sue. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I know that I know that Ben was a test pilot in the Air Force, mm-hmm. and I do not, I cannot for the life of me remember what Johnny's job was. He's the party guy of the team. We gotta make sure our team doesn't get bored. Okay, just a second. I'm gonna look it up on Wikipedia. Like, uh, as much as I love the Fantastic Four, I've never actually known what Johnny's job was. Whoops, I forgot to mute my TV so that people don't hear the beeps from the PS4. Because um, I have to use the browser on the PS4 for listeners who have never heard that explanation before. Gotcha. Um, all right, Human Torch, Google, there we go, the Human Torch. All right, let me have a look and see. I'm the Johnny Test of the group. I will be your guinea pig. Okay, okay, here we go, fictional character biography. Growing up, okay, early life now. Um, uh, Growing up, Johnny was a troubled child. 
It been uh, well, that's kind of what it looks like a little bit. Um, yeah, no, I was just saying if you like read the whole growing up thing. Yeah, yeah, growing up in Glenville, New York, uh, <laughs> fictional Long Island suburban town, Johnny Storm lost his mother due to a car accident from which his father, Surgeon Franklin Storm, escaped unharmed. Franklin Storm spiraled into alcoholism and financial ruin and was imprisoned after killing a loan shark in self-defense. Hmm. Yeah. So Johnny was then raised by his older sister, Sue. At 16, Storm joined his sister and her fiance, Reed Richards, in a space flight in which cosmic radiation transformed those... Okay, so like, he never had a real job. He was 16 when he became the Human Torch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So we can... If we want to age him up a bit, we can make up a job for him. Um, or if yeah. not, if we want to keep a teenage human torch for our start off, yeah. we could do that. For at least most of them, because I've never like like I, it's not bashing the fan four sick movie. There's a lot of reasons to bash it, yeah. but I never cared for like them being that young. Yeah, like, yeah, it makes that's, sense. That's a very me. ultimate comics thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it makes sense. People <laughs> people were kids at one point. But it's like, I've always seen Reed Richards as like no younger than 30. Yeah, right. Me either. Like, to me, Reed was probably 35 or 36 when they went up there in my head. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I like that. Like, in my head, current Reed Richards and, like, modern-day Marvel comics, he's close to his 50s as far as as far as far my brain sees him. Yeah, I, I'm good with that. Because we uh, already have a ton of young characters. We need to, need to for, No, I, I do want to keep Johnny a little bit young, though. I would say at the youngest, yeah. though, Johnny's 19. Yeah, the I'm youngest. like, uh, he's <clears throat> in college, and it could be like he's, like, uh, near graduating or something, and yeah. like, uh, yeah, it could have been one of those things where, like, uh, Sue was like has heavily been there to help, like, keep him going in college. Not saying yeah. she's like bribing people or anything, it's more like she's able to, she's able to get him tutors and stuff, even though he might not care as much about it than she would or whatever. Yeah. And we'll say Sue is between like eight and 10 years older than Johnny, you know, between like, between like 27 and 29. Yeah. Yeah. That works. So like our, our version of Reed's going to be a little bit older than her. Yeah. As long as the accident with, because I'm trying to think you said she, Wait, wait, the, the dad's still alive, right? Oh, no, no, he goes to prison. That's right. Okay, so... Yeah, and that doesn't have to be a part of our version. Yeah, yeah, but but what I'm saying is whatever happened, whatever incident that, like, took the parents out of the picture, yeah. Sue, Sue was no younger than 18 when it happened. So she yeah. They yeah. the custody of Johnny. Yeah, yeah, so if she's 18, then that would have placed Johnny around, like, eight or nine years old. Yeah, I might might bump her up a little bit more. I'll say like twenty twenty one because at at there it's rare to find an eighteen year old who has all their stuff together to where like the courts would be like, yeah, we're gonna place this child 
in this seemingly other child's care. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, our version of Sue, about, yeah, between 12 and 13 years older than Johnny. Yeah, that's fine. It's it's a pretty big gap between kids, but not, like, uncommon or unheard of. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like, for me, I always think, like, wow, like, 12 years between kids, that's a pretty big gap. Forgetting that that's normal, because my sister and I were 20 months apart. Oh, I gotcha. So it's like, whenever I think of, like, a family that has two kids, I think like, oh, wow, so they were both out of diapers around the same time then, huh? Just yeah, got them both yeah. out the way. Because, like, when we were young, I developed a little bit faster than my sister. So, like, whenever she hit a milestone, I was hitting a milestone a little, like, at the same time as her. Yeah, yeah. And, like, right around when we were teenagers is when she started to outpace me in terms of development. Yeah, I gotcha. But, like, when we were kids, I was always I was always keeping up with her. So, like, when she was out of diapers, I was out of diapers. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I always forget that it's actually pretty common for families to have kids uh, sometimes over a decade apart. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so Sue, yeah, she pretty much raised Johnny from the time he was like eight years old. Yeah. So that would place her... Alright, so if if Johnny was about 19 when they went up in the space shuttle, that would place Sue around 32? 33? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, which actually does place her closer to Reed then. In, yeah, in yeah. terms of our, uh, all right, cool, all right. I don't know why we just spent so much time working out all their ages, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Ben sixty four. Ben is, yeah, yeah. I'm old. Why do you think I talk like this? <laughs> why do you think I talk like I'm still the mouthpiece for Jack Kirby himself? <laughs> And also that, earlier that is, when that I said, the, "What's that?" Oh, I, I was going to do a, a little thing for him. He's like, oh. "Yeah." And earlier, whenever I said it was hard for me to wipe, it's not that I can't reach it; I can reach it. The problem is, I got cracks all over my butt. It's not just the butt crack. I'm made of rock, so there's cracks everywhere. So it just seeps into the rock. I can't reach <laughs> in there. Butt crack, more like butt cracks. <laughs> hey. That is that is one of the, um going back to what I said before, that is one of my favorite things about like uh Ben Grimm as a character though, the fact that like um even today he's still written like you know, because like if you ever hear hear or read interviews with Jack Kirby, like that's the way he talked. Yeah, yeah. Like Ben Ben Grimm is like Jack Kirby the character. Which I can't remember. It's been forever since I've read it. But there's that that Marvel book that like goes through the history of Marvel, and it kind of mentioned that uh, not saying Jack Kirby was a, a mob guy, but like er, his early life, he like was kind of tied into some criminal stuff. I think. So, yeah, so it, which, it almost you know, like, accentuates was, that. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like like his voice when you hear his voice it's like oh yeah that does sound like one of those like stereotypical uh uh 
yeah. early 1900s criminal guns. Yeah. Well, plus, um, and then, you know, that probably also itself influenced the fact that, like, in the comics, Ben has a history with, like, a little street gang called the Yancey Street Gang. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, when he was yeah. younger, he was a part of that street gang. So, like, every once in a yeah. while, he'll show up around Yancey Street and yell at him. That makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> hilarious reading that book because he did, and it, it didn't last, like, long in his life. But when he was younger, similar to that, he was around, like, street gangs and stuff. Yeah. To where, like, uh, at least early on, if not later, he did never really care for Stan Lee. Yeah. Um, and just, <laughs> I remember one time Stan did something and like he called Stan or like met Stan in his office and was essentially like, look, I, he said other words, but it's basically like, I'm going to kick your butt if you don't leave me alone. <laughs> Whatever. I don't remember <laughs> what it was, but I was like, dang, that's like hardcore. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, man, like the the thing has always been one of my one of my all-time like favorite Marvel characters. Yeah. There's always been something about him like more than just that he was, you know, the big strong rock monster guy and that's just the kind of character I liked when I was a kid. Like yeah. there's always been something about his personality that attracted me to him as well. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, um, my three favorite superheroes were always Spider-Man, Wolverine, and The Thing. Mm, okay. Nowadays, I would say Hulk probably ties with The Thing for third place. Yeah, yeah. But uh, for the large part, like for the most part, though, um, like my my opinions are unchanged. Yeah, yeah. Like early when I was a kid, it was the the basics. It was Spider Man, Batman, and Superman. But I feel like there was probably some other superhero that I like more. Now that's like all changed to where like Superman's yeah. one of my favorite characters. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Superman now. Like when I was a kid, I didn't care much for Superman, but I love him now. Yeah, it's one of those things where yeah, especially definitely when you're like middle school, that teenage years, you're like. This this stupid Boy Scout went. Yeah, look at right. Him. Red underwear on the outside, freaking loser. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, the, it's similar for Captain America too. It's one of those things where Captain America and Superman are both both just the kinds of characters where it's like you never really get them as a kid, you never understand them, but then like once yeah. you're an adult, it's like, oh well, I get it now. Like I understand why yeah. Captain yeah. America and Superman are so cool now. Yeah. Like, cause for me, I've been reading, uh, uh, you know, nineties Marvel comics for a bit since I got the unlimited app and I finally yeah. got to the point, um, where I'm back to reading Captain America stuff. Yeah. And in his 1998 series that started off being written by Mark Wade, um, you could tell there was a little bit of commentary in there in terms of, uh, the kinds of characters kids were into at the time. Cause yeah. there was an issue where like Hydra was basically holding the Smithsonian hostage, right? And, and they managed to evacuate the entire building before Hydra enacted their plan, except for these two kids who were, like, hidden away, like, two little boys uh, who were hidden away in, like, a random exhibit, just waiting for the place to clear out, basically, so they can hang out and do stuff. Yeah. And then Captain America rolls in there to save these kids from Hydra, and as they're going along, 
like Captain America is, you know, fighting the Hydra agents, and the kids are like, "Yeah, kill him!" And he's like, "No, no, I don't kill people, kids. I'm not gonna kill these guys. It's like it's not my thing." And the kids are like, "Oh man, why couldn't we be saved by someone cool like Punisher or Ghost Rider?" And I was thinking, like, <laughs> "Woof." That's so accurate. It's so accurate. But then, like, by the end of it, after Cap is like, you know, saved the kids and everything, um, they're like, "Yeah, thanks, Captain America. You're so cool." And I'm like, "Yeah, he is cool." Yeah, he was cool from the start. It's like it's one of those things where, yeah, like Captain America is one of those characters where it's like you just start to get him once you're old enough. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not all about like big flashy superpowers or explosions or 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 all the crazy stuff that a lot of superheroes are about. Like for Captain America, it's you know it's simple. It's as simple as what Captain America does. Yeah. And, um, like, it's not about, like, the big flashy displays, though he's got plenty of those to himself, just not, like, in the ways that a lot of other superheroes have. But for him, it's about, it's about the philosophy of Captain America. It's about the morality of him and his ethics. Yeah. That's why you read Captain America. That's boring, Cap. I want to see you, I want to see you put a shotgun to that guy's head and blow it away. Right in front of me. Right in front of me. I want his brains splattered all over my face. (laughs) So I can look it up later. It's like, kid, we need to take you to a specialist. Never! Smoke bomb. (laughs) Smoke bomb. He disappears. I'm going to go be the Punisher sidekick. He starts killing people. Punisher comes after him and kills him. Wait, no. I was trying to be like you. You don't want to be like me, kid. (laughs) I'm going to go be Ghost Rider's sidekick. (laughs) Two weeks later, uh, Ghost Rider is seen here in court after being sued for a child setting his head on fire to... uh... (laughs) imitate the uh the spirit of vengeance i was also thinking if uh if he said i'm gonna go be ghost rider's sidekick and he goes and he runs into cosmic ghost rider who's actually just punisher in the future yeah (laughs) you don't want to be like me kid gracious I'm gonna go be uh, uh, I, I don't know I guess war machine sidekick I, I guess I can't be that bad and he goes at the wrong time where Punisher is war machine <laughs> you don't want to be like me kid <laughs> oh, fine I guess I'm just gonna <laughs> I, I think I just want to uh, I just want to stay in church <laughs> goes at the wrong time when the Punisher was a warrior for God oh yeah you don't want to be like me kid <laughs> I can't go anywhere where's I'm going to go find my friendly neighborhood Spider-Man I'm going to go find him walks into the what if comic where Peter yeah, it's the what if. yeah. <laughs> like what you the hell <laughs> I somehow walked into another universe. 
fine. I'm going to go be Daredevil's sidekick. Ends up chained to a wall next to Daredevil. You don't want to be like him, kid. <laughs> Daredevil's like, why'd you shoot him? Why'd you shoot him that time? You weren't even going to shoot me. He was being my sidekick. You never shoot at me. It's just you, Red. There can be no other. <laughs> i tell you what, man. Daredevil and Punisher is one of my favorite comic book rivalries of all time. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <clears throat> We're getting off track. <laughs> so Punisher shows up, kills Giant. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So we've got Mole Man's origin story worked out. We've got the ages of our characters all worked out because that's important. Um, they live in New York. They're in New York. Uh, Reed has a floor in the Baxter building for his labs, you know, for grant money and all that. Yes. Um, ben, Johnny, and Sue are all his lab assistants right now. Um, okay, so in the original comics, apparently Sue was already Reed's fiance when they went up into the cosmic cloud. Yeah. Do we want to maintain that, or do we want to start them off from, like, a, they're just friends slash co-workers position and then work them into the romance um i'm fine with the fiance thing just so You're we don't fine have with to them with... already being engaged basically yeah like like one I, I want that already there as well as like this is a minor thing but i don't want to have to deal with uh when they do finally get together the brother johnny being like, what are you doing? That's my yeah. sister. <laughs> what are you doing to my sister? Or now it's like they've already been past that. Yeah, yeah. Is okay with that? He, yeah. And honestly, they, they've probably known each other for a couple, if not a few years, to where he's like, You're my dad. <laughs> not like, <laughs> not actually. Daddy. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, cool. I like doing that too. Cause you know what? Yeah. Like the fantastic four, like, like Reed and Sue in particular have compared to other superhero couples always had a very drama free relationship. Yeah. Like it's not bereft of drama entirely, but like, I don't know. You don't see them going through as much like relationship angst as like rogue and gambit. Yeah. The most, the most that happens with Reed and Sue is Reed doesn't pay her enough attention. He's too busy working. Yeah. Um, and Sue still loves him, but sometimes will run off to Namor or Namor will come to her and yeah. then uh, uh, it'll possibly make Reed jealous. Reed will realize the, the woman he's got. Yeah, yeah. Namor will be like, look at this bulge. <laughs> you see this bulge? Look at my butt. I don't wear a cape. You can see my butt. Look at it. Well, this, this scale speedo, this scale pattern speedo. You Is green my color? Do you think green's my color? I think green's my color. I like it. You better watch out. She loves this crazy widow's peak I got going. Yeah, this crazy Vegeta widow's peak. 
and my <laughs> my Vulcan ears. <laughs> Looking like Mr. Spock. I don't gotta wait for Pawn Far. Okay, with our version of Namor being a woman, does she still have a widow's peak? Um, does she still have a bulge? <laughs> uh, I now have to look up women's widow's peak just to see what that looks like. I can't think of. Uh, oh, and here's here's another valid question: Would our version of Namor still um, be trying to seduce Sue, even though you know Sue probably wouldn't be interested? Well, like for for remember, more reasons than just that it isn't the man she loves. Well, there there's two things I remember. Possibly not, because if I remember right, Namor, our Namor, is has a girlfriend already. A lesbian, yeah, yeah. Um. So as of right now, no, because she is in a relationship. Yeah. All right. Just curious. Yeah. I don't know. We don't, I don't know how Atlantean customs work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if polygamy is a thing or polyamory. Ah, yes, the more the merrier. Yeah. I want you in my harem, Sue. <laughs> look at this. Look at this green fish scale pattern speedo I'm wearing, Sue. <laughs> With no bulge. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so. All right. Yeah. So, okay. So, Reed and Sue are already engaged, not quite married yet, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're already engaged. All right. And then Reed is trying to find um, a way to basically cure their condition. Yes, um, and uh, and right now we'll say they've already achieved semi celebrity status because a they're you know astronauts they just came back they have weird powers and also they um, came back from a floating island nation that nobody thought existed until now. Yeah, yeah. Um. So they're kind of celebrities at this point. So there's a lot of attention on them. Because that's the thing about the Fantastic Four. They've always been Marvel's celebrity superheroes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, random conspiracy articles. Like, were they ever from Earth? Were they ever humans? Yeah. Hmm? What What do you people think? I'm, I'm just putting the questions out. Perhaps they're, they're a race of aliens. <laughs> Perhaps the cosmic cloud has some sort of dormant mutation in them of some kind. I don't know. (laughs) Johnson, that's the dumbest theory I've ever heard. That would never happen. Human beings mutating supernatural abilities? Come on, pull your head out of your butt. (laughs) Then like one or two years later, (laughs) all the the mutants are revealed. Yeah. Where the heck is Johnson? He was right. He's homeless. <laughs> He's, uh... It's a hoax. Mutants are a hoax. <laughs> He's got the cardboard sign. 
They're a hoax, I say. Mutants aren't real. Sir, are you a mutant? Uh, no. Sir, are you a mutant? No. Madam, are you a mutant? Yes. Read my mind! Not that kind of mutant. Read my mind! <laughs> it's a hoax, I tell you. She couldn't even read my mind. Look, all I can do is just change the channel on the TV by blinking. That's all I can do, man. Chill. <laughs> Look, dude, all... <laughs> All I can do is manipulate the four fundamental forces of the universe at will, all right? Like, I can't read your mind. <laughs> Electromagnetism, gravity, and strong and weak nuclear force are all under my control at the snap of a finger, but reading your mind is out of my reach, man. I could transmute the sidewalk under us into pure gold if I wanted, but I'm not going to do that because it would probably be hard to walk on. It's raining right now, and it doesn't need to be any more slick than it already is. <laughs> and he's uh he's just staring down at her chest and he wasn't really listening. He was like, Read my mind. She's <laughs> like, uh, you're you're thinking about my boot. He's like, How did you know? <laughs> this is a weirdly horny episode today. <laughs> but you know what? That fits, especially with one of the recommendations I have later. Well, it's more reaffirming a recommendation. No, I'm not recommending anything like gross. It's more, more of that that non high school DXD stuff. It is an anime, but it's not high school. It's, it is not high school DXD this time. Gotcha. I haven't watched that show in months because I finished it a while ago. <laughs> I mean, I haven't not watched that show in months. Dang it. There's no easy way around that one. The jig is up. Anyway. Um, so, yes. So, we need to figure out how they, like, come into conflict with the Mole Man. Firstly, I want one thing I want to figure out, what is the giant monster under Mole Man's command? Should it just be, like, a generic giant monster, or should we use a named one? It's a giant mole. <laughs> no, um, oh. Well, here's one that I don't know would even be allowed to be in there. Batragon. Which was Batrigan. introduced in Marvel's Godzilla comics. Uh, which they do, like, they, they, even if we rebooted, they don't have the license for that anymore. So I don't know if Batragon yeah. is, like, considered more a Marvel monster or a Godzilla monster at that point. Yeah. Scrolling down this list, all of these have sucked so far. Like on this list that I'm looking at. Well, there's one called Behemoth that we could use for Atlantis-related stuff. I need to change my search because this is stupid. I guess technically they're kind of right. Not really. I looked up like monsters, best monsters of Marvel. Yeah. Like on this list, it's like Ghost Rider, Blade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're being very general with that. Like yeah. Monster has, or not Monster, Marvel has like a particular brand of kaiju. Yeah. That we're looking for. All right, here's an interesting one. Crawling creature. Crawling creature. 
The Crawling Creature is a reptilian monster that first appeared in Tales to Astonish number 22 and was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Big surprise. Um, <laughs> the Crawling Creature is a reptilian monster that lived in the underground parts of the Grand Canyon, where it menaced a lost tribe of cave people. While fleeing the crawling creature during a mining expedition, Walter Carter was saved by a passing helicopter. I don't know who Walter Carter is. But, uh, I assume this was just, um, a random creature from, like, you know, one of the horror anthology type stuff that was in Tales to Astonish. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so there's, there's an idea. It already lives underground, so... Yeah, that might work. What was the crawling creature? Crawling creature. No, not devil dinosaur. We don't want devil dinosaur. Not right now, anyway. Fin Fang Foom is something that should be saved for later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, crawling creature works. Alrighty, crawling creature. Giganto. There were two Gigantos. There's, okay, so there's one called Giganto. There are two different monsters that use this name. The first one was a deviant mutate that dwells in Subterranea. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Let me click on this. Oh my gosh. The first Giganto was the giant monster that... Uh, Mold oh, in the... in the first issue of Fantastic Four. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, let's just go with Giganto. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> I never knew that thing's name until now. Nice. Yeah, that works. Yeah, Giganto is the monster on the cover of Fantastic Four number one. Yeah, yeah. Nice. All right, cool. So, Giganto. Um, All righty. Uh, so Giganto, we'll say, is the thing causing all those tremors all over the place. Yeah, that works. As Mole Man and the Moloids dwell through the Hollow Earth, empowered by the cosmic energy from the Dreaming Celestial. Um, and eventually, so yeah, Reed is going to be investigating those things. And like at each site, so we're going to say that Reed is like personally going out for like field studies um, to each site that like these tremors are happening. Yeah. Because he's picking up readings of like cosmic radiation, right? Right. So he takes a um we'll say the first one is in like France or something, like Paris. They're going to Paris. Yeah. To check it out. And like they're on a plane. The plane. Um, you know, there's obviously like probably gonna be some weight and balance issues with the thing going on. Um Yeah. And like when they're on there, like uh, the thing is gonna say to Reed something like, "I mean, we got to get our own like private transportation or something," because uh, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna like planes are gonna work for me in the long term. <laughs> and then Reed, and then Reed will be like, "I'll keep that in mind, Ben." And like he immediately starts like drafting up like, basically like, the first draft of like designs for the Fantastic Car. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so like as they're, uh, but like for the first arc, they're traveling by plane to all these places they need to go. 
Um, and like as they go yeah. to each of these tremor points, like Reed is discovering, like yes, they are starting to act as vents for cosmic energy of some kind. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they just need to figure out, like, why? Why is all this happening? Why, God? Why? <laughs> um, and I've got two ideas. One idea is either the Mole Man might be like, might feel like he's running out of cosmic energy under the ground and is sending Giganto to make vents to like start scouting for potential cosmic sites on the surface. Or there's too much cosmic energy being built up underground because the Dreaming Celestial is, um, you know, starting to mature a lot more in its Earth womb. Um, and the Mole Man is sending Giganto to create vents because the energy is starting to be too much. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh my I'm gosh, so I've got it. Okay. The second one. It's going to be the second one, and here's why. Okay. The ventilation of the cosmic energy from the Earth's core, as caused by Mole Man and Giganto, is going to be mm -hmm. what attracts Silver Surfer and Galactus to Earth. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's perfect. And then uh, that by itself actually could potentially lead to like the first... Guardians of the Galaxy crossover with Earth-based stuff too, because like once the Guardians, yes. you know, become aware of Silver Surfer and Galactus and stuff, and watch their course, like you have a bit where Star Lord is like, "Oh my gosh, they're heading towards Earth." Yeah, like yeah. they're going to my home, and so like the Guardians could show up on Earth to try and warn everybody. Yeah, that's perfect. But that's that's for further in the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, for now, it's like, so yeah, so basically, uh, as these vents of cosmic energy are being created, uh, the Fantastic Four have to figure out what's up. So firstly, we need a reason why this is bad, other than just earthquakes, um, to motivate the Fantastic Four to actually fight with Giganto. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like, uh, it, it, it's bad. They are trying to stop like the, the earthquakes and stuff, but. I was also thinking a big reason they're looking into this and investigating this is like, oh, it's like cosmic energy. Maybe like we can somehow go here, possibly figure out something or like uh, possibly use some resources to try to help us out, especially you, you, uh, 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 Grim, you, uh, you look very grim. Yeah, you look like some kind of thing. <laughs> you always have to call me that. <laughs> you don't even know my real name. <laughs> you don't even know my real name. You're sure, I know your real name. Um, uh, Dave? Not even close. Al. I want to say Al. I'm leaving this. Bert? I feel like Bert's close. I'm leaving this. I'm going to leave you a surprise. Of course. A okay. Rock, right. A rock falls out. He's <laughs> like, what is this? Because <laughs> I'm a rock man. My poop's not like yours. So that's poop. That's not just a rock. 
I'll take that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's always it's always poop. <laughs> Talk about poop in a sideways brick. <laughs> All right. So anyway, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. They are investigating like the cosmic energy stuff because they think it'll help them cure Ben in particular, but also maybe the rest of them if they feel like they don't want their powers yeah. anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I so, keep and- burning all my dates alive. I need help. <laughs> Anything, anytime things get a little hot, I turn really hot. They burn in my arms. I've killed like 20 tender dates. You have to help me. <laughs> Cook them from the inside out. Okay, okay. We don't need to... <laughs> don't need to hear that. Every time I think this could be the one... I suddenly hear the popping sound of sizzling fat under a human being's skin. It's like, okay, oh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm going to throw up if you keep talking about this. <laughs> Do you know what barbecued human smells like, Reed? Do you? Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I'm having a good time with a girl and all of a sudden her skin starts peeling off (laughs) with a sickening sizzling noise. I'm falling asleep. I wake up to the smell of bacon. I'm like, hmm, she must be cooking me something. But actually, I'm cooking her. (laughs) I usually like breakfast in bed, but this is ridiculous. (laughs) goodness thank god our plans for the second arc is basically just like going over the various origin stories of the of the main four yeah yeah rather than trying to come with like a world war hulk tie-in because like (laughs) all of our time is being used on bits yeah yeah, because because a big thing like we'll we'll continue with this arc, but a big thing at the end of this arc that has to happen is like maybe they do get some of the maybe not the 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 cosmic energy stuff, but by the end of it, they start working on that that thing that has a bunch of gamma radiation in it. The reason, yeah, I was gonna say it's um, one of the things that I think that they uh, should be able to contain some like cosmic energy and take it home. Because that'll get them started on like the cosmic generator thing that's attracting the Hulk. Yeah. Um, because I think the idea is like the last piece the Hulk needs to like stop being a rage monster after so much was taken out of him by the Red Room is like a dosage of cosmic radiation. Yeah, yeah. That both he and the Abomination, I think, managed to get a taste of. Yeah. Um, and it like manages to stabilize the both of them. Right. Um, but yeah, so yeah, like getting the cosmic energy from this 
is um, the first step towards building the generator that basically kicks off the World War Hulk storyline. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Um, so this arc obviously ends, I think, with a big fight with Giganto as he starts crawling up out of the yeah. ground. This can take place anywhere in the world we want. We could set it in New York if we want to go for like a classic homage to uh, the original Fantastic Four comics. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, yeah. So it's like uh, he's trying to like uh, make a vent in New York. Yeah. Oh, and on t- okay, so on top of the earthquakes and also like gathering cosmic energy, one of the things the Fantastic Four might want to try and get done is like sealing the vents because they know from firsthand experience that this cosmic radiation can cause some pretty bizarre mutations. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they want to avoid like civilians mutating the way they have um like just at random. Yeah. One thing I'm wondering, not that they would get involved with this, but like uh uh the X-Men hearing all this stuff. Like if if this is happening in like uh downtown New York, uh the X-Men have been trying like like Magneto's X-Men have been trying really hard for like uh, superhero stuff to not really reach the public eye. Like Miss Marvel is kind of like Miss Marvel and and a little bit of Spider Man has kind of uh, made that tough. But Spider Man's not a mutant, but yeah. Miss Marvel uh, is. <clears throat> um, and even though these four aren't mutants, it is like super stuff where like yeah, uh, people might be like, oh, there's these super people. Who's not to say? There's a bunch of super people. Who's to say there's not not like a race of these super people that have some sort of crazy genetic code going on? Exactly. And like once the once World War Hulk takes place, I think World War Hulk is also where we were saying like the mutant community just kind of gets exposed anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I've got it. I know why like the Mole Man like is actively going into conflict with the Fantastic Four now. Okay. Because we mentioned that they're trying to seal these vents up, right? You know, so yeah. people don't get mutated. Um, well, the Mole Man, the reason he's opening these vents with Giganto is so that they can, like, let excess cosmic energy bleed out because this Dreaming Celestial is starting to generate too much. Um, and, like, the Mole Man, through ventilating the cosmic energy, is A, delaying the Dreaming Celestial's awakening, though he doesn't know that. Yeah, um, yeah. And B, also making it so that, like, there's not too much energy down there. Yeah. yeah. So that he and his empire can survive. Um, and, of course, the Fantastic Four all are, you know, unaware of this. So they're like, we got to seal these back up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, that brings them into conflict with the Mole Man. And, you know, they don't, you know, they don't know that what the Mole Man is doing is ultimately, like, healthier for the earth in the long term because as soon as the dreaming celestial wakes up it's gonna burst out of the earth and probably destroy it yeah yeah um which will bring us to you know later stuff with like eternals and maybe galactus and silver surfer we'll see right um but uh yeah so like the, the fantastic four don't realize that they're like kind of speeding up 
one of the ways the earth could be destroyed. Yeah. Um, and that the mole man is slowing it down. But the reason that the mole man basically like goes to fight the fantastic four with Giganto would be because like, Hey, you, you guys need to stop doing this. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm doing is healthy for the planet. But of course, being a gruff little monster who hasn't seen people in literal decades, uh, that's not exactly going to be like how he approaches it. He's just going to approach it as like, you idiots. And then he's going to start swatting him with his stick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's going to be our big, that's going to be our big fight in the fourth issue and then the conclusion of the arc. Yeah, that's perfect. Pretty much. So yeah. Yeah, I feel like we've got everything for the first arc there then, huh? Yeah, it's pretty solid. So they they beat uh, Giganto. Um, yeah. <clears throat> is Giganto's body just like laying in the city block? So they beat Giganto. They, I don't think they killed Giganto. Yeah, yeah. Um, they beat Giganto. Mole Man basically is left to retreat underground with the rest of the Moloids. Um, and I think Giganto is probably, we're going to say it like Giganto is taken into custody by like a mysterious government organization um, that would later probably turn out to be shield. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Or, or one of the, uh, one of the terrorist organizations that would later yeah. come together to form Hydra in disguise. Yeah, the various groups we have, and that's something like we can touch on whenever we get later, or whenever yeah. we get further on later, is like uh, if we want some big reveal with one of the groups, it's like, oh, they have Giganto, and they release Giganto right now, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they've been studying Giganto. And his they're, Gigantoism. They're making a Mecha Giganto. Mecha Giganto. Yeah. <laughs> But it won't it won't be unveiled until the big finale of uh, Giganto versus Fin Fang Foom, <laughs> or Giganto versus Gorgilla if we want to go with more of like a giant monkey theme for oh, the opponent. Yeah. <laughs> fin Fang Foom has more has more like Ghidorah vibes to him anyway. Yeah, he's, he's exactly. the villain for Giganto, uh, King of the Monsters. Yeah, we can't we can't forget the uh well well no not Fing Fang Foom. There's a uh apparently there's some sort of three headed thing called Tricephalos. Oh yeah, Tricephalos, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah Tricephalos, that's it. That's the one for Giganto King of the Monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Um so then our second arc. So I feel like I've got a good structure for what our second arc is going to be. Okay. Uh, first issue, we follow Reed from like early childhood, right? Yeah, yeah. And show like how bizarrely smart he's always been. Um, and that like, you know, he's never really been great at socializing, but he's always been good with science, no matter what it yeah. is. Like if it's science, he can do it and he can do it well. Um, he just has a brain for figuring things out and like the entire first issue would just be kind of about like 
how that intelligence, but also combined with the lack of social graces, just kind of resulted in a mostly lonely life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that first issue I think ends in college, where Reed meets um, his his for the first time, and it would be Ben Grimm. Yeah, there was the man who would become his his closest friend, the closest thing to a brother he's ever known. Yeah. Um, issue number two uh, would explore probably Ben's childhood, um, yeah. maybe a little less in depth. And you know, he grew he grew up in like a Jewish household. Uh, he may or may not have had siblings. I'm not super familiar with Ben's childhood from the comic books. I know in yeah. Fant Four Stick he had a mean older brother. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But um, but yeah, just like you know Ben's upbringing in general, until uh, we reach college, where he meets Reed, and show a little bit of uh, the two of them becoming friends. Um, and while in college, that issue would end with Ben and Reed meeting Sue for the first time. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then issue three would be the uh the issue about sue and johnny's like origin story the two of them growing up basically um and you know all their backstory stuff until you get to college for sue where she meets you know ben and reed um it shows you know their time together how they uh you know all grew closer and basically like the beginning of um sue's relation like romantic relationship with reed um yeah yeah and then the fourth issue is uh basically the lead up to like the ship like the shuttle launch that took them into space for the cloud yeah yeah like that would basically be like the one two three four this is this is uh their origin story as a group yeah 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 that way way we don't have to use those four issues for world war hulk tie-ins yeah, exactly. And I was thinking with that third issue, it focused on Sue. It basically leads up to like uh, them working on this uh, this mission, basically. Yeah. And um, it basically ends with somehow Johnny being tied into the mm-hmm. mission. And then, uh, then issue four, like what you said, you have the mission as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, because for for Johnny and Sue, obviously, um, the two of them would just need to share their origin issue because they're siblings. They're siblings, yeah. And they're close siblings at that. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's really no telling one story without the other. Yeah. So yeah, it's... um, yeah, and that's basically it. Like that's one of those arcs that I think is easily painted in those broad strokes over a couple of minutes. Oh yeah, for sure. And like you know, details can be filled in later in like actual drafts of a script. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's I I I definitely knew from the beginning that if we were doing just four origin issues, there wasn't going to be a whole lot of depth to it. Everybody generally knows the story of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there, there had to be a tiny something there, which why we gave it here, just because like when we're first introduced, they're just crash landing in Wakanda. Yeah. We, we 
tell everything that happened up until that crash land in Wakanda. Yeah. How did these four American astronauts just end up here? <laughs> Let's find out. Yeah, yeah basically, the, uh, the fourth issue would end, you know, after they've, you know, been up in the cosmic cloud and all that, and they're, you know, experiencing mutations as early as their descent back down to Earth. Yeah. Um, because it's all, like, it immediately starts to mess with them. Um and then them crash landing in Wakanda, and like the last shot you see is like a Wakandan soldiers like gathering around their shuttle as like Reed crawls out asking for help. Yeah, yeah. Practically, yeah. practically melting as he goes along. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm trying to remember the uh, the uh, ending of the first arc, which is like. Uh, the last thing that happens in their timeline, basically. Yeah. Like we had mentioned, uh, just to clarify, they got the cosmic energy. They're going to work on this this uh, uh, generator thing to kind of try to help them, and that'll lead to the World War World War Hulk thing. And then yeah. at the end of like <clears throat> that arc, you have a little thing. Uh, the story continues, and the pages of World War Hulk. Coming this uh, whatever month. Yeah, we don't actually know which (laughs) month was our first. Yeah, I forgot. But yeah, coming that month. Yeah, for the for the sake of ease, we'll say January. Yeah. Looking at a looking at like um, publishing dates on a lot of the issues in Marvel's Unlimited app. I noticed they do have a tendency to start new series in January. Which I think the World War Hope thing would start in August of the second year. I think yeah, the, right around there. Stuff. Yeah. So it's like, uh, continue reading about them and the pages of World War Hope number one coming yeah. in August yeah. at $9.99 an issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. To get all five issues, and we're going to keep them at 22 pages each. It <laughs> costs you $50 to get all of them. Oh my god. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then when the trade comes out for it, we're not going to include any tie-ins for it. It'll just be the event, and it'll be, if it's 22 pages each wow. times five, a little over 100 pages, and we'll charge you over 30 bucks for that trade. Yeah, that sounds about right, man. Ugh. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but speaking of um, continuing to uh, read in the pages of World War Hulk, um, that's our next episode, isn't it? Yeah. That's uh, our next Marvel real like Marvel Year Two episode, and then that'll that'll be the conclusion of Year Two. Yeah, it's crazy. And if we want to keep doing our uh, Marvel relaunch, we'll have to start with uh, outline episodes for Year Three. Yeah. Wolf, it will be crazy to see. It will be. I don't know if we're ready. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, so I actually think that is um, 
that's probably the episode for the week, isn't it? Yeah, I did want to mention one thing. I and <clears throat> I don't know if you knew this part, but it's very awesome that we somehow tied this in, even if we didn't know it. So in that original Fantastic Four issue one, yes, uh, Giganto is that monster. Um, but that monster, Giganto is being controlled by Mole Man in that yeah. issue. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a part of um, that was a part of including Giganto in this as well. Okay, okay, yeah, because I, I knew one, we of the were... reasons, one of the reasons I wanted to do Mole Man is because he was the Fantastic Four's first villain. I just never realized the name of the giant monster that he used in that first issue. Okay, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. That's why I was going on about crawling creature before, is because I didn't know. Uh, which I didn't even know that the monster that um, Mole Man used in the first issue had a name. I thought it was just a one-time yeah, yeah. thing. I didn't realize that he was like called Giganto. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Because I've, for anyone out there wondering, I've never actually read the original Fantastic Four number one. How dare you? I probably should at some point. But yeah, um, so I actually do think that's uh, that's the episode for the week. Yeah. So, Brandon, yeah. if you don't give me plugs and recommendations right now, I will take your measurements for a dress. Oh, okay. Me- yep, that means that means shoulder shoulder width. Um, that means your waist. That means your bust. Um, I got to take measurements of your head um, and your inseam. Hmm. I see. I see. And I will, um, I will have you fitted for a dress. Is the dress free? Uh, no, you got to pay for materials and the labor cost. Dang it. Okay. So I, I got to get it. I was about to say, if the dress was free, uh, I'll do it. But no. Um, uh, plugs, Disney Comics, that's D-I-S-M-A-Y Comics on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, still working on Gallows Man number two Kickstarter. Uh, that will be up soon. Uh, Gallows Man number three is being worked on right now. Um, yeah. Doing all kinds of stuff. And Strangely, I, I did a I made a post on Instagram yesterday, and it's got some of the most engagement I've seen in a long time on any of my posts. Ooh, it was uh, getting those likes. It was a, well, well, not just that. It was more comments, people mm-hmm. like replying to it. It was um, I'm trying to remember exactly how it was worded. It was a tweet by someone, and I I just like copied that, and then I put my answer to it the tweet was uh whatever birth year you were born that the top box office movie for that year is how your 2022 will play out and so i looked up mine and i thought mine was hilarious because of how bad it is mine is 1997 so it was titanic and i was okay. like oh no <laughs> my yeah, year is yeah. not gonna go good I gotta look up mine right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Look that up. 
because I was like, oh, no, that's not good. And then, like, people started commenting theirs, and then I would – some some would be like – here, let me look up some because I do like some of the uh, replies I put with some. Some I was just lazy because some people were expecting me to do a reply, and I was kind of tired of doing replies. Um, All right. Top box office of 1996. Oh, God. It's the number one. What was it? Independence Day. Oh, dang. Yeah, that sounds about right for, for 2022. Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't question it. Yeah. Yeah. The, oh, my uh, God. Right under its twister. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then it's Mission Impossible and The Rock following up after that. So. Dang. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, aliens. This website real quick. Aliens realize we're at a perfect spot to be wiped out. So that's what's going to happen there. The Nutty Professor. Let's see here. Let me see. I'm trying to pull up Instagram. It's taking forever on my laptop. Number 13 is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Space Jam was number 15 for 1996. I'm surprised it's so far down. Yeah, me too. Everyone talks about it so much. Yeah. They do. They talk about it a lot. Jingle All the Way was number 25. You deserved better. Jumanji was number 30. Really? I felt like that was a bigger hit. Huh. Yeah. Um... Toy Story, which technically came out the year before, but I think it was in theaters long enough to hit 96, um, was number 32. But yeah, Toy Story came out in 1995, if I remember correctly. So it must have come out real late in the year. Uh, okay. It was included in the okay. 1996 box office. Now that I'm looking at it, I forgot Like uh, a lot of people was like, one of the three original Star Wars. Not not saying they're old, but <laughs> like comic people. It's usually older people. Yeah. And everyone and a lot of people, whenever they would post something, they'd be like, Yes, this is how my year would play out. And I would try to find like the bad stuff in that movie. And I'd comment like, Oh, you're you're gonna have this and this happen. I guess someone said Star Wars and New Hope, and they were like, Oh, that's fire. I said, that's pretty solid. Just hopefully the place your sibling grew up in doesn't get blown up. Um, let's see what else. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> Bless you. Okay, how did we get on this again? Uh, I don't even remember. Oh, you mentioned an Instagram post that got a lot of engagement. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to find one where uh, someone's like super excited about theirs and I Oh my gosh, sorry. Oh my gosh. Instagram on laptop is the worst thing ever. Scroll down. Oh my goodness. Uh if if the CEO of, of, of Instagram is listening to this, because we all know the big the big guys listen to this podcast, fix the laptop version of Instagram. I can't scroll down to view stuff. So annoying. Oh, okay. Yeah, this one. We're gonna, we're gonna find out soon that Bezos sent the CEO of Instagram to the uh, the the shadow realm. Yeah. <laughs> Would uh, it just be the CEO of Facebook that is the CEO of Instagram? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, Mark Zuckerbucker. Yeah. The yeah, creator of yeah. the metaverse. Yeah, someone was super hyped about Batman 89. They said, Batman 89 is how this year will turn out for me. I'm going to be Batman, everyone. All is well. And then I typed, but at what cost? And I put a picture of a family. <laughs> like, oh, I forgot about that part. No. Yeah, for me, there's so many like potential characters for me to be in Independence Day. Who am I? Am I Bill Paxton? Am I Will Smith? That's Bill Paxton. That's the that's the president, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, not Bill Paxton. Okay, I can't remember names very well. As I'll say, Bill Paxton's the uh, the guy from Aliens. Aliens. He he's like, uh, we're all gonna die, man. We're all gonna die, or says something like that. I don't remember what it was. Uh, okay. Oh, what's the name of the actor who plays the president in that movie? I know who you're talking about. I forgot that guy's name, but uh, it's got to be something similar to Bill. I don't know. I'll just cut this bit out. Then if it's wrong, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's who, like who who will I be? Will Smith? Am I gonna be the guy punches aliens? Says Robert Earth. <laughs> yeah I, sorry I, I was just scrolling through that yeah but everyone hyped about their year playing out the star wars there's there's some not great stuff in that as well yeah. like like i think the best one would be return of the jedi the year's not as bad um the the, the worst thing that happens is like while you're partying with a, sh- a bunch of short hairy guys and some ghosts you then have the realization that your sister kissed you knowingly while you were near, like after you nearly died to make your best friend jealous. Yeah, but they didn't know they were siblings at the time. I got a feeling Leia may have. She had no idea. That's before, that was before Luke's battle with Darth Vader, like his first battle with Darth Vader. So like, she didn't have like that sense, you know. She like they hadn't sensed each other through the force yet. Oh, true, true. Like yeah. Luke hadn't reached out through the force, and she hadn't picked up like his signal yet for them yeah. to find him dangling from that antenna under the city. Like that's okay, that's that. the moment where I feel like she started to realize that they were they had a connection. Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. Well, the ghost of. Uh, Hayden Christensen pops up and is like, all is well, Luke, but it's pretty gross that you and your sister kissed. Even if you didn't realize, that's pretty gross. I'm ashamed. And then Luke's like, who the heck are you? Like, I'm, I'm, your, I'm your puppy. <laughs> like, that, that bald, burnt guy's my dad. You look like some like, whiny guy. Okay. <laughs> I was cool in Clone Wars. <laughs> it doesn't even look like you that looks like a, a weird animated version of you yeah well the clone wars were weird and animated so <laughs> dad this isn't making any sense uh, we're ghosts no this this doesn't need to make sense shut up yeah. we're all ghosts <laughs> All right, right. Clone Wars are canon. (laughs) So it counts.
Clone Wars is canon, so it counts. The Clone, the 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 Clone Wars animated TV series, not the Gendy Tartakovsky shorts, but the Clone Wars animated TV series and the theatrically released film that served as essentially its pilot are all canon. Yeah. As are the animated shows produced by Disney, as is a single Darth Maul comic book miniseries published by Dark Horse Comics called Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, and that's it. That's all that remains intact. There was a three to four year period where it went crazy. We all looked like we did. We, we all looked normal, and then for three to four years, our world turned animated somehow. Dad, what the, the heck are you rambling on about? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's this this blue milk. I think it's out out of date. It's hitting me wrong. So, son, you want to catch that new episode of the Book of Boobs and Feet? <laughs> what? You know, boobs and feet. The, the guy who the guy who showed up did nothing, and everybody loves him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, someone, I just remembered like someone like commented. They were like, "Oh, Return of the Jedi," and I mentioned uh, the whole Luke thing. They're like, "Oh, I was I was thinking more like I'd be like Boba Fett and I'd crawl out of the Sarlacc pit." I was like, okay, well, if you're going to be Boba Fett, you have to go by just that movie. So if you go by just that movie, the rest of your year, you're going to barely say anything, and some idiot is going to nearly kill you. Some blind idiot is going to nearly kill you. And you're going to be stuck in the stomach of a vicious animal. Yeah, for quite a while. Yeah, like you don't get to include the TV show in that. Yeah, no. (laughs) <laughs> and you don't get to include the books either yeah no not canon not canon firstly yeah firstly books aren't canon anymore secondly um you even if they were still canon it's just a movie it's just the movie because that's what the post says yeah that's what the post says you, you can't can't go further so if it is just what the post said you died <laughs> that's sort of like that pretty much pretty much Sorry, person that had their hopes up of 2022 being a great Boba Fett thing for them. I, if you see, if that were me, I would rather be Jabba the Hutt in that movie because at least I get to go out strangled by a young Carrie Fisher in a metal bikini. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jabba had it made. I yeah, mean, man. He died, but he had a good life. Yeah, like even the way he died, man, he died the way he lived in the lap of luxury. Yeah. I think if Jabba could have wished of any death, that's like, that's top five. Top five deaths right there. Yeah, Yeah. like half naked Princess Leia strangling you to death. (laughs) Yeah, and in his own own, uh, language, they never subtitled this part. When she's strangling him, he's like, ah, he's like saying stuff actually. He's like, yeah. harder, <laughs> harder, <laughs> harder. <laughs> Don't stop. I haven't used my safe word. <laughs> All right. I got a random. Do you have anything to recommend? 
Yeah, so I did my plugs. Uh, recommendations. Um, first thing, I don't know if Tio, if you've recommended this before. If not, if you haven't seen this, I highly, re- highly recommend everyone to see it, but definitely you. It's a sketch comedy show on Netflix called I Think You Should Leave. I've seen the first the, season. Yeah, yeah. I, I could have swore you, you've recommended it before. I, I don't think before. I've ever recommended it. I've talked about it before. Okay. I haven't seen the second season, though. Yeah, I, I saw, because someone recommended it to me, and I watched the second season, then I watched the first. Like, all of it's good. Yeah. To the point where, like, there's, like, 58 sketches in whole in the whole show. Yeah. And there's, like, probably about a third of them I think are great or I love. And then there's some that I think are pretty good. And yeah. then even the worst ones are still, like, yeah, that's pretty bad. That, that's not bad. That's like, if it was like SNL, it's like, oh, that was probably the, one of the best sketches of the week for SNL. Whereas yeah. for this show, since it has like a higher standard, it's like, eh, yeah, it's in. Yeah, I, I can't tell you um, how often I will say things like, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> referencing that show like has this ever happened to you (laughs) it's turbo time and then you're trying to jump in and they're like no (laughs) you don't get to be a part of turbo time (laughs) give me the receipt (laughs) if you like it give me the receipt if you like the gifts you won't mind if I eat the receipt then huh (laughs) you got mud pie all over the receipt We're all trying to find out who did this. It could have been any one of us. (laughs) I think it's you. You're dressed as a hot dog. What about him? He's dressed as a hot dog. (laughs) I can't believe yeah, like I said, I haven't seen the second season yet, but um, yeah, it, there's some pretty memorable stuff from season one. They're both pretty equal for me. Like, uh, I don't think I like one season over the other. They're both I, can't, really good. I can't, I can't remember the, like the name of the um, the like the shirt with the knob on it that you can tug on so it doesn't stick to you. No, uh, something tugger. Yeah, yeah. I I want to get one of those shirts. Someone makes them on Etsy. What? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So is that one? Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but was so no, no recommendation. Yeah, it, it's one of the funniest things I've seen in a while. Like, at least from season one, because you because you've seen season one. Probably my favorite sketch from that is the uh, the baby of the year sketch. <laughs> that was so it, stupid. It, it's so stupid, but it's so funny. <laughs> like, yeah, like how much everyone hates Harley Jarvis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of one of my favorites. I think my favorite has to be like, "Has this ever happened to you?" Yeah, yeah, that's definitely up there. Yeah, that's definitely like top five of season one. But yeah, it was like uh, episode one, like that first episode. All of them were like solid sketches. There wasn't one where I was like, eh, "It was alright." Like, I loved all. I like the Instagram one where it's like eating the pock, the uh, uh, 
slab of pig crap with these fat turds. <laughs> yes, yes, I love that Hashtag one. Hashtag blessed. I love that one too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like the, so stuff that, the stuff that she says, that is so vile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, I had to censor it. Just yeah, like we absolutely yeah. cannot repeat that, even for the sake of quoting it. But like, no, it no, because the 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 baby of the year thing. There's a lot of stuff that I've been like quoting with someone else that's watched the show, and yeah. that one I've quoted a lot from that. But yeah, I can't like say it in public because there's <laughs> because it's like beat you, Harley Jarvis, you suck. I hope you die, Harley Jarvis. (laughs) It's so great. I I definitely recommend watching season two. There's a bunch of funny stuff. Like one of the funniest sketches is there's a, uh, he, it's basically like a mix between like impractical jokers and jackass where uh, they go into the public and mess with people. And he gets like, he does like makeup or not jackass. I should say bad grandpa where Johnny Knoxville is like dressed up as like an old guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they do the old guy makeup and he's like, Oh, this is going to be so funny. And as they're doing the old guy makeup, it just looks awful. It's like the worst old guy <laughs> outfit ever. And like, he can like barely move in it. And he's like walking into the mall. And, you know uh, what? You you talking about? I think you should leave has actually reminded me of something that I think I should have recommended a while ago but forgot about. What is it? It's called The Characters. It's another Netflix show, but um, it's like a, a a bunch of comedians were each given like one episode to do a series of sketches, and Tim yeah, Robinson yeah. is is one of the comedians who got an episode. Oh, okay. It's it's pretty funny, and some of them have very like interesting and weird senses of humor i don't mean to hijack your recommendations no 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 no. i'm, I'm typing it out now so i'll remember but, but yeah like some of them have some very weird senses of humor like there's one guy in particular where like you can tell he even though it's technically a comedy show he's not exactly there to make you laugh yeah yeah i get you um so yeah it's it's very interesting i'll have to check that out oh but yeah i think you should leave it's one of the funniest things. Right, I've I will. Seen a little bit. <laughs> uh, it, it's great. Um, and then another recommendation. This is a movie recommendation. I recommend the new Scream. Really, really for only for people that have seen at least one or two of the other Screams. I guess you can get enjoyment if you haven't seen them. Yeah. But it, it's one of those things where like. It's a sequel. It's more like a requel. It's like a reboot slash sequel. Yeah. Um, well, you see, the thing about Scream is that, like, even the originals were, like, meta commentaries on, like, horror yeah, movies. Yeah. So, like, the fact that there is a reboot of Scream, you would kind of expect that it references the old one in some way. No, no, it definitely does. It even references how, like, uh, um, the killer this time is basically they even mention it whenever they're having their discussion of like what's going on and the rules of the horror world basically they're like this time the killer's trying to make a requel basically mm. or, and they're like they they bring in the legacy characters and she points to like Dewey and and them yeah. while establishing new characters yeah yeah it, it's super meta and i also like how uh 
it even talks about how like horror has changed in like the past 10 years since Scream 4. Yeah. Um, they talk about like elevated horror, like stuff like The Babadook or The Witch or Hereditary. The Vavitch. Yes, The Vavitch. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I don't think as good as the first one. I don't think it'll be hard to eventually get there, but it's probably second or third best screen movie. Um, I really liked it. Um, my movie going experience, awful. One of the worst I've ever had. Um, I briefly mentioned it, but like to you. Yeah, yeah to you were texting me about this last night. Yeah, it was insane. Because I mentioned to Tio that there was three adults behind me. And I, I emphasize adults because like two of them at the youngest were like late 20s, but I think they were older than that. And then one was a woman like 40, 50 years old, something like that. Mm. And they were just talking the entire movie like throughout the movie. And there's a group of teenagers in the theater as well. And I'm not talking about late teenagers. I'm talking about the rowdy ones, the middle school, early high school ones. Yeah. And they made no noise. They were the quiet ones. That's why I thought it was so shocking. I was like, what is going on? (laughs) Have I entered the Twilight Zone? Yeah, exactly. It's like, it should be the other way around uh, to where I was just so thankful for these obedient teens and highly despised these old white people. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was just so weird. And like, it it frustrated me because this one lady, like all three of them talked, all three of them talked a lot. But this one lady, it seemed like this was either her first horror movie if not her first movie ever. Oh my God. Because there were instances, because Scream is a quote unquote horror movie, but it's not scary like a lot of movies. Yeah. I've never seen Scream as scary. Yes, there are like a couple scenes here and there might that might do jump scare or scare you a little bit. But compared to a lot of other stuff, it's not that scary. Um, and throughout this movie, this lady, I should first mention, she's that stereotypical lady where it's like, oh, don't go in there. What are you doing? Stop, stop. What are you doing? Why are you going oh, in? She talks to her horror movies. Yes, she talks to it. And then, like, uh, uh, the second a scare happens or whatever, jump scare or someone gets stabbed, she's like, oh, gosh. Oh, my God. And, like, cussing and stuff. Like, all that stuff. Super loud, <laughs> and like God. even to the point where this is the first ten minutes. Uh, a character is being chased by Ghostface. Character is uh, uh, walking towards a door. The woman's like, "Oh, don't go there! What are you doing? Don't do that!" But she's she's talking louder than this whisper I'm doing right now. It's yeah. almost like if you softly talk normally, that's basically what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like she's doing that. And before, so the girl's gonna close open this door and Ghostface is gonna be right there. Before the door is fully open and Ghostface is revealed, this lady behind me screams 
louder than the character in the movie when the character in the movie realizes Ghostface is there and screams. She screams louder than the character in the movie. Ugh. And like, oh my goodness. And then there's the, this was only, this was like a, a, a cherry turd on this turd Sunday where all of them would constantly be, constantly be rattling rappers and stuff and opening stuff mid-movie. It was just, oh my gosh, it was insane. Wow. Yeah. Like I was super conscious about like eating my popcorn when I was in the theater over the weekend. Um, yeah. Cause like there were very few people in the, in the auditorium for me. So yeah. Yeah. As, and, and not to put anxiety on you or anyone, but as a normal person should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Like, and like um, the reason I was super anxious about it is because there were so few people, there was nothing to yeah. absorb, absorb the sound of me digging in my popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. in quiet moments. It was like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to dig in here and rattle my paper around going for popcorn. Yeah. And with a horror movie, there are quiet moments because there's moments where it's trying to be quiet. It's trying to build up the tension. Yeah. But if people are talking behind you the whole time, it completely kills that tension. As well as just takes you out of like the immersion of the movie. Yeah. Like the, the, the wildest thing is like, it's as if these people thought this was their living room and they were doing like, like how like a group of friends will meet up to watch a movie and yeah. just like, like commentate on it throughout the movie. Yeah, me they and were Clay doing that in the movie the, theater. Yeah, me and Clay are going to meet up and watch some anime later today. So, like, we're probably yeah. going to talk the whole time too. So, I know exactly. No, no. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But this is in a movie theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you don't do that in the theater. Yeah, there's there's other people around you, which I guess they don't realize that or something. Yeah. Yeah, as of the recording of this episode, our most recently uploaded episode is titled Why Are You Here? And we have a very prolonged conversation about exactly this kind of stuff. Yes. For anyone who are who are looking for uh, our thoughts and feelings about movie theater etiquette. Yeah. To where whenever Tio had mentioned yesterday that that was going to be the episode, it, it, it made me spout all this to him. Because yeah. it was so fresh on my mind. And I told Tio... This was worse than the experience I had uh, uh, before with the guy that was chewing the popcorn super loud. This was way worse. Like, I don't think it's the worst movie theater going experience I've had, but it's probably top three. Like, this was really bad. Yeah. Uh, and, and, like, it was two women and a guy. Guy didn't talk as much as them, but that doesn't mean he's not a piece of crap either. Because <laughs> there is... There's multiple points where this happened, but one stuck out. There's a part where this guy was walking out of the house. He was looking for his girlfriend. Girlfriend ran off or whatever. He's walking out of this house party, and it's a scream movie. You basically know, like, okay, yeah, he's probably fixing to go get stabbed by Ghostface. Um, <laughs> like you do. Yeah, like you do in these movies. But so the second he steps out of this house party, I hear a guy behind me say very loudly because they don't know, none of them know how to whisper. He says, Oh, I saw this part in the trailer. And right there, if you did first, you shouldn't, no one cares. You shouldn't announce it. But if you're going to announce it, leave it at that. 
leave it at that. But no, this guy says, oh, I saw this part in the trailer. This is the part where he's going to pull out his phone and he's going to he's going to use the track my phone app on his girlfriend's phone. He's going to track his girlfriend's phone down. He's going to go into the bushes and his girlfriend's not going to be there. It's going to be Ghostface and Ghostface is going to get him. It's like he's playing out the entire scene before the scene happens. And it's like, what are you doing, man? Like, yes, I know this isn't like, I know he's going to go get stabbed, but you completely killed the immersion because I was immersed in the movie. You killed the immersion and just like, I don't know. It was just the wildest thing ever. It's like, why do you have to, to announce this as well as like, Hey, not all of us saw all thousand trailers of screen. Yeah. Some so people just, avoid trailers. Yeah. So like, shut up guy. <laughs> all, all three of y'all shut up. Yeah. But it was the wildest yeah. thing ever. I, I so, remember the theater experience quite that bad. It, it was horrible. <laughs> like, like the, the thing that kept me grounded is because I was watching this with my sister had I been alone, I would have either said something to them or I would have stood up, uh, purposely walked so they could see me and walk like a couple uh, rows ahead of me so I could sit down. Then maybe one of them, whoever has like, can actually think right. One of them is like, oh, we must be kind of disruptive. We should probably like shut up. Yeah. Yeah, I've only had like one theater experience where I've had to like get up and move somewhere else. That's not because people were like talking about the movie, it's they were just talking in general. Yeah. And being loud and annoying. But like, yeah, I've only had one theater experience where I've had to like get up and move to a different seat because the people behind me weren't that annoying. Yeah. It was wild. Um, I jokingly said this to Tio, but. It reminded me a lot of Scream 2, as well as Scary Movie, which parodied the the scene from Scream 2, where Scream 2, girls talking in the theater, um, and eventually Ghostface comes and stabs her. In Scary Movie, (laughs) it was, girl is talking in the theater, Ghostface comes to stab her, but one of the audience members grabs the the knife from him, stabs her, And then the whole theater takes turns stabbing her. They line up to stab her. Even like a nun is there and grabs the knife. (laughs) I was like, I was just thinking like, is this going to happen to these three? (laughs) Can they shut up? Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Despite this being one of the worst movie theater experiences I've had, Scream 2022 was still pretty good. Alrighty. So... Plugs and recommendations for me. Uh, as far as plugs go, uh, you're already listening. Hi. Hello. Uh, this is Storebrand Comics. Congratulations. You found us. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, this is just a hobby podcast that me and Brandon do every week. So it means a lot that anyone would, you know, spend any amount of time listening to the two of us talk. Um, and if you are interested in trying to keep up with like new episode releases, uh, do whatever subscribe equivalent is on your podcast listening app, like follow, subscribe, whatever it is, um, just to make sure you're keeping up with us from week to week. Because while I try to focus episode uploads on weekends, 
Um, the exact day isn't really nailed down anymore. So between Friday and Monday is usually when we get episodes out. But other than that, I can't really promise specific days right now because we're just kind of busy in our daily lives. And sometimes it's hard to find time to edit. Yeah. Um, but uh, with that said and done, um, recommendations. So both of my recommendations are actually follow-ups from things I talked about last week in different ways. Um, oh, other than uh, just doubling down on that, the characters on Netflix um, that I mentioned earlier. Cause like I said, yeah. Tim Robinson got his, his own episode in that. Um, it's pretty funny uh, for the most part. Like I said, at least one of those episodes, I could tell that the comedian in question like wasn't really out to make you laugh. It was, it was a comedy of like, life in a weird way you know what i mean like in regards to the fact that like it's not really about laughing it's just kind of about things yeah um but yeah and uh but yeah like the characters on netflix is um i don't remember how long ago it came out it's a few years old at this point and it only ever got one season five years ago five years ago really yeah huh so yeah i watched it a few weeks ago for the first time um, yeah. So, <clears throat> um, other than that, my okay. So now here are my two regular recommendations that I had planned ahead of time. First one, doubling down on that anime I recommended last week, my dress up darling. Um, I also do want to mention because I have seen the second episode now. Um, this show is a lot hornier than I was expecting. <laughs> But not in like a like a super pervy like ooh look at these girls sort of way like not not like in the typical like kind of gross anime way. Um, yeah. More in just that like the main characters are a teenage boy and a teenage girl, um, and the subject of the show involves the boy making clothes for the girl. Mm-hmm. Um. So like the and almost the entire second episode is spent on just the awkwardness of him having to take her measurements. Uh, okay. And that's I like, they got a whole episode out of that. And it like stayed funny and tense and awkward like the whole time. And it was very interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's just because, you know, he doesn't want to come across as like, you know, a weird, a weirdo, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to like touch her in intimate places, you know, but like, it, it, but it, it, at the same time, it's like he has to physically get close to her to take her measurements properly. Yeah. So it's like, and she, she's not weirded out by it at all. Right. She's like, dude, come on. Just, you know, you just, you just use your tape measure, wrap it around me and take my measurements. Like it's that easy. Uh, <laughs> uh, um. Yeah, exactly, right? So it's 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 a very, you know, um awkward situation for him because like I said, you know, a teenage boy and a teenage girl and she's yeah, a very yeah. pretty teenage girl. And so like he like this is the first time I've seen one of these shows where there is a very like blatant like sexual tension between the two leads. Yeah. Um that like feels like it might actually go somewhere, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. can tell that he is attracted to this girl. And that, like, in terms of the way he feels about her physically, there's more than just, like, potential friendship there. Yeah. 
So uh, it's it's very interesting. Like I could I could see this show believably turning into like a romance over time. Whereas yeah. most most shows that I see like this never really seem to have the guts to go for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also another funny thing is that like the so the character that she wants to cosplay as that he is making this outfit for comes from something called an eroge, which is Japanese shorthand for erotic game. Uh, okay. She wants to play as a character from a porn game. I uh, gotcha. <laughs> and, and, and he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, girls are into that? <laughs> yeah. And so, I don't want to I don't want to spoil too much, but like the, the episode ends on this fantastic joke where she, just to use as reference she has lent him the two games in the series that she based, you know, this cosplay on from one of the characters. Um, just so that he can play the games for reference on that character, right? Yeah, yeah. And, like, the episode ends with, like, his grandpa getting home, walking in on him, playing these games, and he's just, like, taking notes. He's got a very serious look on his face playing this game is like oh hey grandpa uh, dinner's ready and in the kitchen for you if you want it his grandpa's like oh okay <laughs> um thanks and then closes his bedroom door and his grandpa's like he is at that age he's <laughs> <laughs> like but going as far as taking notes <laughs> So yeah, it's just it's a it's a great show. I love it so far. Like the first two episodes have definitely sold me on it, and I'm I'm probably going to be seeing this one through to the end of its season. Nice, because um, the the quality of the animation kept up too. Like a lot of times, the best stuff you're going to see is in episode one for a lot of anime because episode one's got a grip yet, right? Yeah, yeah. But like for this show, it's like they they kept it up. Like it it maintains its uh, its high visual quality. Uh, through episode two, you know, characters move with a believable weight, um, and all that. So yeah, it's a it's a great it's it's a good show, um, and it's a very nice show to look at. So I will give it officially like the thumbs up, seal of approval. I've watched two episodes and I like it. Nice. Um, second recommendation now, and last one for me for the week. Um, I did go to see Belle over the weekend. It was awesome. It was absolutely worth the wait to come to America. Um, the theater experience was overall, you know, just, it was normal. Um, cause yeah. I went to see it at one in the afternoon on a Saturday in Japanese and I just read subtitles. Um, so I was two other people. There were like six of us in the theater all together. Oh, okay. Um, which even then, like for as long as I sat, I got there like a half hour early, right? For as long as I sat there completely alone in that theater, just listening to the electric hum of the screen, because there were no ads or anything playing. There was just an electric hum. Uh, yeah. Like for as long as I was in there alone, I thought I was going to have the theater to myself. Yeah. Because it was one of their smaller auditoriums. Um, where they show just like the special stuff, you know, not one of the big ones where they cram as many people in as they can. 
Yeah, that's what they did with the Studio Ghibli stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, this one's, like, uh, but, yeah, what, like, it was awesome. Uh, the movie was, like, visually beautiful to look at, both in the segments that were traditionally animated in 2D hand-drawn stuff, as well as the uh, computer-animated 3D segments. Um, you know, those were great to look at as well. Yeah. Uh, one thing that is notable is um, I really like the 3D character model for Bell's online persona. The the character actually like referred to as Bell. Yeah. Because um, yeah. the main character's name is Suzu. Um, S-U-Z-U. Um, and Suzu uh, means Bell, as in like the instrument Bell. Oh, okay. So when she first created her online profile for Bell, she spelled it B-E-L-L. Um, as in, you know, just Bell. But then once yeah. she started singing online and getting like noticed by people, people were like, oh man, like her character model is so pretty. She should call herself Bell with an E which, because it's French for beautiful. Oh, okay. Um, and that's when her name started to change to Bell with an E at the end because, uh, you know, people like the public started referring to her that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, um, you know, good looking. The music, which is the reason that I wanted to see this movie in Japanese rather than English, is awesome. Um, I and I will say I have heard English versions of the music from this movie now too, because um, it's on Spotify. Yeah. Um, and the English versions are actually really good as well. But I'm glad I saw it in Japanese instead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for for this one in particular, um, I already have my favorite song from the movie on my phone from iTunes. <laughs> nice. Uh, my favorite song from the movie is actually like the first proper song in the movie. It's called Gales of Song. It's the one that's played in all the trailers for the movie. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, it's, it's one of those songs where every time I hear it, like as I'm listening to it, I feel like, God, I wish this never ended. Yeah. It's it's got like just that sort of quality to it where it's like every time the song ends, it you almost feel like no wait that can't be the end of it. Like this song has to keep going. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't it's it you don't want it to end, and it's it's a weird feeling. And I don't know if that's a feeling that's unique to me or if if you know other people feel that way about it. But yeah, it's like that song by itself. Um, when I, like I remember the first time I heard it in the trailer i was thinking to myself like i have to see this movie in the theater yeah yeah and when i learned you know who the director was mamaru hosoda i was like oh my gosh now i absolutely must see this movie in the theater because he directed one of my favorite movies wolf children oh yeah i remember you mentioned uh, which is about um a woman who falls in love with a werewolf and has two kids with him yeah and then the rest of the movie is about like her raising the kids but, um, and that's a good movie too. Uh, you know what? Well, you, that's a recommendation now too. I think I recommended it in the past, so I'm renewing it now. Nice. Watch Wolf Children. Watch anything by Mamoru Hosoda, um, even if it's just the first Digimon movie. Like, watch one of his movies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I have yet to see more than Wolf Children or Bell from him, um, but he, a few of his movies are on Netflix, so I'll give them. I'll probably give them a watch soon. But uh, yeah, like 
But yeah, Belle was awesome. And uh, it is kind of a Beauty and the Beast story. I don't want to give away too much of that aspect of it. Um, and that's not to say it's a retelling of the fairy tale. It just uh, uses familiar imagery from the story of Beauty and the Beast as like a shorthand to yeah. help to help do legwork on uh, characterization and um, like relationship building between characters in the movie without um, like spending an abundance of time on it in the movie. Because the, the movie's got a lot going on, so it, it needs the time that it has to tell the story it tells. So uh, they, like, they leaned into like Beauty and the Beast imagery to help shorten some of that. It seems. Which I think was a smart decision. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, so those are my recommendations for the week. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, I, I chose not to go too much over the plot of Bell in my uh, recommendation for it because um, this is one of those movies where I feel it's probably better for people to go in mostly blind. Yeah, yeah. Because like, uh, all, like, all I've seen is the trailer, and the trailer doesn't tell you too much. No, the tra- it's it's difficult to get anything out of that trailer, honestly. Yeah, in terms of information. Um, so yeah, like I I recommend it. It's a good it's a good movie. Um, and like I said, the the music is wonderful. The visuals are pretty. Um, the story itself, like, is emotionally like touching like the the big finale of the movie or well the movie's got a couple of finales if i'm being honest Mm -hmm. Uh, but like there's a big like conclusion to the main character's like emotional arc over the course of the story that like um if you're in the right mood for it could move you to tears i gotcha so it's it's one of those things where it's like yeah like this is a movie where you can sit down and watch it if you want a good like happy cry okay which i often seek movies out that help me do that because i i think i've mentioned this before i don't do a lot of crying in my daily life yeah yeah like i i rarely get like that kind of emotional release so often i'll use movies to try and force it out of myself yeah i get you so and this is one of those ones that i could see being a movie like that for me in the future yeah happy cry is always good yeah but yeah, um, so that's it. That's store brand comics for the week. I have been Tio. And I've been Brandon. And now we are not, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. It was Bill Pullman. Bill 